Hi everyone, this is Everybody's Story, and I'm your host, Emily Mikus. So in today's episode, Marie Wilson joins me to share her story. She talks about fitness, dealing with her body changing, and why she eventually became a holistic health coach. We get into privilege, veganism, how we can change the way we think about ourselves, and much more. So keep listening to hear what she has to say, and thank you so much for being here. So welcome everyone back to the podcast. I am talking to Marie Wilson today. She is a sustainability blogger and she also worked in the past as a health coach and we're going to get into all of that. She's currently quarantining with her parents in Washington state in the U.S. And yeah, so welcome Marie. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And just a little background. I met Marie randomly, um, sort of randomly in Costa Rica. We were both traveling there for some amount of time and I don't even remember how we met, but we just hit it off and has spent a couple yeah. days together and it was pretty cool. So, um, it's cool to reconnect with her and stuff. So, um, okay. So I think I start out, I'd like to start out, um, if you could just talk about your relationship with your body, whether that's from a kid up to now and just what it's been like for you. Yeah. Um, so for me growing up, kind of similar to your story, it was, I was very, very active, never really thought much like about my body or food or any of that. I was just like a happy kid, always outside running. Um, and like you said, I'm in Washington state, so we're near mountains. So a lot of hiking and biking and skiing growing up as a child. Um, and yeah, I never thought about it at all, but I was a very small child. I was very short and very thin, but I, you know, ate a very healthy diet. I was just, that was just kind of my resting, I guess, weight as a child. Um, So from a young age, that was definitely something that was like always commented on, um, which I think at the time I never thought much of. It was just, oh, you know, you're so tiny were like the comments or those were a lot of the comments I received. Or if I was doing well at a sport. It was like, oh, I wouldn't expect that because of your size or things of that nature. But again, it never really affected anything. I had a really healthy relationship with my parents and kind of never saw them struggling with body image. So it was never something that even really crossed my mind. Mm. Um, And it wasn't until maybe I was in like high school and maybe TMI, but I was definitely a late bloomer. And so all of my friends like started to look like they were women and I was still looked like I was a 10 year old boy because I was just so tiny. Um, And so that was definitely the first time I was like, oh, there's something wrong. Like, why, why do I not look like all of my friends, you know? Um, And that's just kind of a hard time in general when you're like 14, 15 years old. Um, But eventually, I mean, obviously I, started puberty and I was like, okay, I'm finally a woman. I felt much more comfortable with my body. And up through that, I was running a lot. I was cross country and track and basketball were kind of my main sports, I guess, that I did. I know you played basketball. Yeah, yeah, I played basketball. Um, I didn't play my senior year, but I played it for most of high school. And it wasn't until I went to college. And again, I was, you know, first 18 years of my life, like I said didn't really think about it at all. Um, And then I'd had like really bad back pain randomly my like the summer leading up before college. And I thought I had a pretty high 
pain tolerance because I'd been in sports my whole life, but it was just like something that would bring me to tears. They didn't know what was wrong, but it would come and go. So my doctors were like, well, go to college. You're going to be fine. So I was like, sweet. I was excited. Moved to Portland, Oregon. Um, And then in the first week of college, I went to the doctor to get like an MRI on my back. And they called me like five minutes later and said, you need to get to a hospital like as soon as possible. And they discovered, yes, they discovered that I had what's called osteomyelitis, which is an infection of the bone um, in one of the vertebrae in my spine. And this is something that's common in like 60-year-old men who have recently had back surgery. So it made absolutely no sense. They had no idea kind of how I got it. I didn't have any, you know, immune Uh, deficiencies or things like that that could have explained why I'd gotten it. Um, So I spent the first few weeks of college in the hospital and ended up having to get like a pick line, so a temporary IV that I had to wear around to like the first month of class with like this fanny pack of like, you know, medicine that was being pumped into me. And then having to like inject it into myself after that, it was like a six month process um, or probably six, seven months that I was on antibiotics. So needless to say, not the (laughs) typical college experience. Um, and because it was my spine, that kind of vertebrae was weak. So I was not allowed to work out. I wasn't allowed to run, especially when I had that IV, you can't really sweat or anything. It's kind of like a cast. You have to, you know, cover it in the shower and everything like that. Um, so from someone who had been active, every day of her entire life to then going to college, not only having that whole new scenario, but also not being able to work out, not being able to do anything that I was used to. And also I wasn't able to drink or really go to parties because I wasn't allowed to sweat or drink alcohol. So it was just a very interesting time for me. Um, And obviously I went from being really active to not so I gained weight for like the first time in my life. Um, And that's kind of what really, I guess, long story here, but (laughs) that's really what led to um, kind of a much more disordered like way of eating and kind of view of my body is after that, I wanted to get back to the person I was, you know, six or seven months after I couldn't, you know, when I was finally able to work out again. Mm. Um, And I just, yeah, I suddenly fitness was much more about looking a certain way when it had never been that in my life. It was just made me feel good and I enjoyed it and I was, I'm a pretty competitive person. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, And same with food. It was much more like, okay, what can I eat so that I can look this way that I used to rather than focusing on the feeling and whatnot. So over like, yeah, so that's, I guess the brief backstory of kind of my relationship. Thank you for sharing all of that, first of all, because I know it can get like, yeah, personal and stuff. So thank you. Um, And I, we were saying this earlier that like our stories are somewhat similar. I didn't have a, something like as serious as you with the back, but I had an injury and it was the same thing. You go from being active to like, nope, not now, like not for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, So what was your kind of mental health like at the time? Did you, like, for me, I, I got angry with myself I and I had like a pity party. And what, what was it like for you at that time? Yeah, I think I definitely kind of had a pity party or 
I think subconsciously, whether I was aware of it at the time or not, I can't remember, but felt like there was something wrong with me and wrong with my body that like it wasn't working how it was supposed to. Like my whole life, I had been told like, you're a really healthy young female and like you could put on some pounds is what like doctors would say or something, but I ate so much and that was just my natural state. So then suddenly when I my body wasn't working as a normal 18-year-old's body should. I was like, there's something wrong with me and just kind of feeling really guilty for something that was obviously completely out of my control. Um, And then further feeling, I think, just guilty for you know, having a bad relationship with food, really thinking it was like, it was all my fault rather than, oh, this is an issue that I should try and work on fixing. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned control because I was going to kind of bring that up because for me, the food became a way to control things. And it sounds like it was maybe similar for you, a way to control how your body looked or a way to control something in your life. Like, Yeah, I would say that was definitely the case. And I also, I mean, like I said, I ate very healthy before that or what I believed to be was really healthy. Um, But I was also an 18 year old and it probably wasn't as healthy as like the food I'm eating now. So kind of continuing to eat that way, but not, um, I felt very out of control. I think when I was like eating that or eating large quantities, but I felt like I didn't have the control aspect of like being able to work out to somehow like justify it. Um, so that was kind of the struggle of being like, well, I can't fully work out or like when I went back into it, it had to be pretty, pretty moderate compared to what I was used to. Um, so then just really focusing on, uh, you know, what am I eating? Is that healthy enough? And, you know, not feeling guilty if I had something that wasn't like the most healthy thing, which, I mean, I was a freshman in college. I, I should, like anyone should be able to, but especially then, you know, be able to let loose and like go to ice cream with friends. And like, I just was really focused on is this healthy enough? Is this going to get me back to the person that I used to be? Right. Okay. You're very self-aware of this though, which is really good to like, look back (laughs) and be like, this is, you know, yeah, um, that's important for you to be able to like, kind of get past it. Um, So did you find that it was like affecting your like social situations? You would like skip things with friends and stuff because you wouldn't know if you'd be able to eat what was there, things like that. Um, I want to say I was like skipping things and I think that I was never incredibly restrictive or a lot of binging. It was more just after the fact, really like overanalyzing what it was that I ate. Um, So I would still go to things and have a good time. But then I'd be like, oh, well, I should go for a run tomorrow because, you know, I didn't eat healthy versus which I mean, not eating great, I think is an okay way to be like, oh, I kind of, I, I don't feel great. I, I want to move my body tomorrow. But that wasn't the connection I was making. I was like, this is bad. So I need to do something. To good, like which... almost punish yourself. That sounds a bit extreme. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And I just, I think there's a lot of negativity just labeling certain things bad and good, which in the past I had, I think, a, a, I struggled with and I've definitely helped like clients in the past work on that because yeah, I don't think labeling things good and bad, much good can come from that. So yeah, I'm totally with, I will think I want to do a whole episode on that, but um, I'm so glad yeah. you said that. Um, 
So we talked about um, earlier before the interview about orthorexia. And mm -hmm. I don't know a lot of people, I don't think it's super well known. I've had a few conversations with people and I don't think it's very well known. I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it's in like an accepted eating disorder yet, but it's seen as like a condition perhaps. Maybe you can explain what it is. Yeah, um, I'm not positive if it's in, so the DSM is like how we, you know, say if something's technically a disorder clinically. Right. Um, and I did my undergrad in like psychology and psychological disorders. Um, so I'm not sure if it is technically classified as that, but it is considered its own type of eating disorder where you are, it's not so much based on the quantity of food, which a lot of other disorders are. Um, it's much more on the quality. So often it can be overlooked because we really praise in society, oh, you're focused on eating healthy, like which are great qualities. We want people to be eating healthy foods and taking care of their bodies. But when it becomes obsessive to the point that, you know, we can't have something if there's any amount of oil in it or if not we organic. have to, if it's not organic or things like that, that really obsessing over it is we might on our plate, it might be the healthiest plate of food that someone thinks we could eat. But our mental health is suffering, which is just as important to our overall aspect right. of our health. Absolutely. So would you say you're, again, you can only only share like what you're comfortable with. Was it kind of verging on that side for you toward orthorexia at that time? I think at that time, there was definitely some characteristics of my actions that was like that. Um, it was never super debilitating or something that really I felt like controlled every aspect of my life. It was just like from time to time or maybe at certain times during the day, I would think of that. And I never got professional help for it. It was something that I was like, I feel like I can work this out on my own. Um, but I'm, a, I think anyone really can benefit from, you know, talking to a therapist or a counselor. I definitely think that would have fast tracked my recovery. Um, but I ended up just kind of trying to figure it out on my own and talking to loved ones and just was able to do it like that for myself. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I, I'm kind of the same. Yeah. I could have benefited from it and I didn't mm -hmm. really talk to loved ones as much as I wish I had, but I did kind of work it out a little bit on my own. Um, yeah. So, okay. So that's interesting. I didn't know you studied psychology. Wait, psychology, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, okay, so then I want to hear the, about like the rest of college, like your back got better, obviously, after the first yeah. start. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like probably end of freshman year is when I kind of was starting to get back into, uh, I was able to work out. Um, but I would say it was like that second semester of freshman year was like probably the hardest or when I was struggling the most because I was, I went back to the gym, but I was doing I mean, all the sports I did were very like cardio based. I know some people hate cardio, but I love it. I love running. I always have um, and just kind of endurance sports. But in my mind, I was like, well, that's not how I want to get the body that, you know, I used to have. I need to do, you know, like hit workouts or weightlifting, which are great. But I personally hate <laughs> going to the gym. <laughs> so it was kind of already something that I was dreading. It wasn't something I was super excited for. Um, so that was kind of like the end of my freshman year and really recognizing that 
this wasn't something that was, you know, sustainable for the long term. Um, and having that, I think, foresight was really helpful being like, this isn't who I am. This isn't the lifestyle that I want to continue with. Um, so then let's see, sophomore year is when I came back to school. And because I'd been on like antibiotics for, I think, like seven months or so, my stomach was not doing great, my digestion. Um, and so I had always been like a really big animal lover and I'd always wanted to go vegetarian. And for those of you who don't know about Portland, Oregon, it's very vegetarian, vegan friendly. Um, and my school was as well. So they had options at every single meal for, I think every meal had like a vegetarian or vegan option. Right. So I thought, well, I might as well try it. And I also knew personally that like when I ate meat, it, that was like when my digestion was the worst, just because it's a bit harder for our body to break down. Um, so I went vegetarian and that definitely helped my kind of relationship with food, I think. So that was like sophomore and junior year. Um, because for me, not only was it making me feel better, but it was also kind of something about more than what was on my plate. I was like, oh, it's, it's not just a food choice for me. It was definitely like a lifestyle choice, if that's not <laughs> corny. But it was like, you know, it was for the animals and I was doing it for the environment. And it just so happened that it was also making me feel better. So that really helped kind of like begin to heal my relationship with that. Um, and then I started getting back into running, running half marathons and marathons. And then eventually the summer before my senior year, I ran like my first ultra marathon. So I did like a 50 miler. And for me, it was like, um, I felt really strong and empowered in my body. And since everything that has happened, I obviously don't look like I did when I was 17, when I was probably 20, 30 pounds lighter. Um, but I feel so much stronger in my body and knowing that like what's on the outside doesn't necessarily, doesn't dictate, you know, what healthy is. We often think we can just, like I think you've mentioned on another podcast, look at someone and say, oh, they're healthy or they're not, which yeah. is just BS. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got back to where I am eventually went from vegetarian to vegan. And again, that just kind of helped me even more um, have something that's bigger than myself with my relationship with food. And yeah, that was the rest of my college experience. <laughs> I, yeah, I relate to so much of this. Like we, we had a very similar timeline. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, yeah, I definitely could see when we were talking about it earlier about like how a vegan or vegetarian diet um, could kind of change how you see your body or your relationship with food. I was kind of like, I'm not sure where we're going to go, but now I'm like, I get it because it's maybe you feel like, yeah, it's more aligned with your values and maybe you feel maybe more like holistically healthy or something. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I want to get more into, um, your work as a health coach. So when did that start and what spurred that? And then kind of what was that like? Yeah, for sure. And that's so good that you said holistic because like the program I went through was for holistic health coaching. So kind of a well-rounded aspect of our health. So like most people, I graduated college, had no idea what I wanted to do, decided to go to Costa Rica, met you, um, <laughs> and came back and was still just like unsure of the path I wanted to take. If I wanted to get my master's, and um, I really was thinking about doing child psychology, but wasn't positive. Wanted to make sure that was something I really wanted before I got my master's. Um, 
And I remember I was working just like at a coffee shop and someone I think I followed on like Instagram or Facebook or someone I knew had recently gone through like an online program to be a health coach. And they kind of, for people that I guess don't know what that is, um, you're not a dietitian or a nutritionist or um, a certified counselor. It's more just helping people kind of like the situation that I was in, just someone to talk to them and help them better their health in whatever way that means. So you can really kind of take a lot of different avenues. It was a pretty broad teaching of just different holistic practices. And the biggest takeaway that I think is something I use for a lot of my clients is that health is not just diet and exercise. And that is a lot of struggles that many people have and definitely something I had is not understanding that it also encompasses you know, our home environment and the relationships we have in our career and our relationship with money and just how all of these aspects play into our health. So that was maybe a year after um, graduating. I enrolled in like a year-long program um, and took classes online and was just working, doing like marketing for a company um, and then decided to open up my own business and coach other individuals. So I really focused on women who were struggling with body image. So kind of very similar to things I had been struggling with um, that kind of wanted to use food and fitness um, as a way to better their relationship with themselves and understanding that like we can be working on those aspects of our health and still be like making forward progress that we don't, it's not a finish line that we crossed and suddenly we're like, I'm perfect and healthy and everything works out and understanding that it's much more about the journey. Um, so yeah, I worked with quite a few women for the, it was about a year and a half that I coached um, different women through their yeah health, I guess. <laughs> so did you ever meet them or was it always like, were they always people in the area or was this online? It was online. So some people were clients that I had known through association, whether it was from growing up or through college. But I had plenty of people, like I said, I'm on the West Coast of the US, and there's plenty of people from the East Coast. Um, because of, around that time, or kind of right when I graduated, I decided to start a blog just talking about all the things that I was interested in. So sustainability and veganism and zero waste and just all those things. And that's kind of, I think, what even spurred me or helped me discover what health coaching was. So I already had a small following from that. And that was kind of primarily women who were interested in the same things. So it was really nice to just actually, they were people I'd probably been connecting with online for quite some time that we were able to actually talk <laughs> and work together for a few months and yeah, help them. Yeah. And did you, yeah, so it must've been really rewarding. I imagine. Um, were there, I don't know. I mean, what were your, did you have any like success stories that went really well, or maybe some people couldn't make any progress with you? I mean, what were some of your experiences like working with people? That's a broad question, but. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's totally fine. We'll keep it broad just for client purposes, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, it was really, rewarding for sure and very empowering to help other women it was just like I don't know it's such a special thing especially with fellow women I just um yeah it was a lot of people that like myself knew that they were capable of more when they're in that time 
and they were motivated and they wanted to make changes. And a lot of the women I worked with had, you know, tried a lot of different fad diets or they had tried, you know, a lot of like 30 day workout challenges and things like that. But they were just looking for something that was going to be sustainable for the long term. They're like, I don't want to do this every single month for the rest of my life. And which is totally understandable. That's not sustainable for the future. Um, So a lot of them, it was really helping them understand that before we even, you know, try and change up kind of what we're eating or our workout routine, like it's all about that inner work and how we view ourselves. And that was something that I think I still myself have to remind myself of. And I know a lot of people do. But I got a lot of clients that were like super eager, like week one, like, yeah, like give me the whole new regimen, like let's do it. (laughs) And that I'd be like, no, we're not going to do that for quite a few weeks. Like, and I think at first it can be like frustrating because they're just so excited, but often they found much more long-term success when they are able to get through, you know, what are the even like limiting beliefs that I'm telling myself is something that we really worked on or like things that they, they might not have even been aware that they were telling themselves or, you know, what am, what is my main goal? What is my motivator? How do I want to feel by the end of this? And just kind of really getting clear on that, I think helped a lot of my clients make lasting changes. I mean, a lot of them, I didn't work with people who were just vegan, but I mean, by association, a lot of people were interested in maybe cutting back on meat or moving toward vegetarian. So a lot of my clients kind of did that or just were cutting out really processed foods that they were eating um, and kind of healing that relationship with themselves, as well as I had quite a few that by the end were, you know, consistently had were some joined CrossFit gyms, some had signed up for like half marathons, um, really just doing more that like they were excited for. And a lot of them I still keep in contact with, which is lovely. So just checking in with them or if they have a question, they'll still maybe send it my way, but really giving them the tools to know that it's not a finish line. Cause I think that's just a mentality that so many of us have that like, once I hit this weight, I'll feel perfect. Or if I ate fully vegan, I'd feel perfect or, and not understanding that growth is not linear. <laughs> There's a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And so it's just a matter of giving ourselves the tools to overcome those downs and grow from them rather than just letting them set us back even further. I love everything you're saying. Uh, <laughs> I love the focus on like the inner work and the how you feel, because I think that can apply to so many things to like intuitive mm-hmm. what your body needs and wants. Um, and with exercise, I was talking about this in another interview or some conversation that like, I think there's, there's probably a type of exercise for everyone that they actually enjoy. Maybe yes. some people honestly, like just don't like moving and exercising and that's fine too. But I think like, there's so many ways to like be active. Um, and that's very cool that you, yeah, I just feel like you are such a, like you said, you're not a trained therapist, but like a lot of the stuff you're saying, you're obviously taking a lot of kind of skills from counseling or therapy of like, you know, really looking at yourself and, um, it's probably things that we know deep down sometimes, but they just needed to hear it. And I think we can get lost in like, sometimes if the groups of people we're hanging around with and not that they're like bad people, but there may be a lot of talk about diets and, you know, losing Mm -hmm. weight 
and that can just get like it can just get to you so like for them to be able to talk to you and just have you be like okay no what do you want to feel like what you know trying to get them to see past that so very cool yeah yeah a lot of I think outside perspective and um I think a lot of it too is you know they're paying for a coaching program and honestly when when we pay for something we have a lot more like skin in the game that we're like oh no I want to stick with this because they also knew that they're going to be talking to me in another week and I'm going to ask them, how did this go that we had talked about? And at first they're like that, having that external motivation of someone that's not in their circle, that's not, you know, their partner or their sister, which can be great, but we're a lot easier on people in our life or, you know, it's easy for them to be like, maybe not comprehend how important that is to us. If we're saying, can you hold me accountable for going for three runs this week? Cause I really want to. They'll, you know, help us talk us out of it, which they're just doing out of love. But if it's something we really want, we kind of need that external motivation to be like, oh, okay, I can hold, I can hold them accountable and also give them, you know, the action steps to actually make it happen if it's not happening and kind of troubleshoot and things like that. But yeah, it was a very trusting relationship that I had with my clients, which I loved and I mean, really, I was wanting to embody something that kind of I wish I had had five, six years ago, whenever that was, and being able to be that for those people and really just give them the tools that I had learned through personal experience and through my undergrad and through my coaching program that really helped me kind of get to a healthier place was the main goal, I guess, of what I was doing. It makes so much sense yeah. as well when you look at like your traje trajectory and your path. And like, you know, your experience in psychology and like, maybe it seemed like, like you said, someone walked in the coffee shop and it was like random and you're like, oh, but like in the grand scheme of things, at least for me, hearing it from an object objective point, I'm like, of course, Marie would have ended up doing that. So um, I'm, if you, if you don't have any, that's fine. But any like practical tips or advice for anyone that you kind of maybe gave, I mean, I guess this is free advice you're giving, but any like yeah. that people listening and they're like, I maybe want to heal my relationship with my body or food, little things maybe that they could do. Yeah. I think the first thing that I did with all of my clients is before we even like hopped on our first call was having them. I'm a big fan of journaling. So a lot of journaling is what I had my clients do. Um, and just writing about how they want to feel, not about how they look or the number that they want to get on the scale or what's on their plate or how many calories they're eating or any of that, but rather, what do you want to feel? Like, what is your motivation behind this? So for some people, they did want to lose some weight, and I'm not saying that's ever a bad thing or if they want to gain weight, um, but for them, it was often being like, well, I know if I lost some weight that I would have more energy and that I would be able to get up earlier and then cook healthier and have a better relationship with my partner if I'm not always tired and things like that. So really just like journaling, getting really clear on like, what's, what do you want to, how do you want to feel in your body or what aspects do you want to help improve? Um, and another thing I had him do, like we said, is just like writing out like pen and paper, all the limiting beliefs that we've ever thought about our body. And for a lot of us, those can be like really dark, uncomfortable things to write down, even if we've thought about them for years. But like actually putting it down is kind of almost like accepting that this is a thought that we have rather than trying to push it away. Um, and then I have them next to that writing 
the opposite. So if it's, I feel like weak or unworthy, just changing it to, I feel strong and confident. And just like reading that like other list, the positive list every single morning. And again, these were things that my clients were like, Marie, like (laughs) rolling their eyes, like this seems so simple or things like that. But really, you know, when we write them down and we become aware of what those limiting beliefs are, then we're able to recognize when they do show up. And then that way, when they do show up in our mind, we're able to be like, nope, that's not serving the person that I want to be or how I want to feel. How can I change that? And it's really hard at first, especially if we're struggling in our bodies. Those thoughts can be throughout the entire day, multiple times in an hour or even in every minute. So just getting clear on what they are so we're able to acknowledge them and kind of flip the script. And over time, that becomes easier. And that internal dialogue has so much to do with how we're feeling in our mental health and our physical health. You know, it just, I don't know if you experienced that as well with like when you were kind of going through that, but like internal thoughts kind of ruling over. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. It's all about like training your brain and whether it's through journaling or meditation or yeah, some way to almost like detach yourself from your thoughts, put the thought on the piece of paper or meditate and let the thought come in. So it's like accepting it, but also stepping away from it somehow. It's like, Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that that thought is there. And then like, how can we try to yeah change this and think about it in another way? That's yeah. Very cool. I, I really like, I didn't know exactly what the work you were doing was about. And that's really like, really cool. Really cool. Thank you. Yeah. And kind of like you were saying, I think acknowledging it is really important without beating ourselves up for it because, you know, analyzing where those thoughts are coming from and why we're having them and kind of taking a step back from them, but not if, you know, we, every time we have those thoughts, we feel guilty. That's just going to lead to more negative thoughts. And it's just kind of an endless vicious cycle. So yeah, being able to acknowledge them, understand where they're coming from and be able to reframe them to thoughts that are going to serve us for the person that we're wanting to become. Thanks so much. Yeah. I think those are really good tips for people, practical and yeah, I think I think we hear stuff like that a lot. People say, oh, like, tell yourself that you're beautiful and tell yourself that you're strong. But I like your idea of, like, writing down, these are the thoughts that I had. Like, those were in my and, like, flipping them. So very cool. Um, yeah. So, okay, so you were a health coach for how long? And then how did – then you transitioned? Yeah, so for about a year and a half, two years. Um, and like I said, back in – for most of 2019, I was traveling. Um, I had left Portland and my partner is from Hawaii. So we went there for a few months to spend time with his family. And we backpacked Europe um, for quite a few months and ended up coming back to the States. And I was still coaching people kind of while we were traveling and once we got back. And then it was only about four months ago-ish, I think. Um, that I had always, I'd still been doing my blogging on the side of sustainability and I loved coaching. So I think for a lot of people, even like you're saying, it just makes sense that you were like doing coaching, um, which I feel like I'm more just like taking a, a small break from. I'm sure I will return to it at some point. But uh, with everything that's going on with our planet and the climate, I just kind of had like this overwhelming like loom of like, I'm not doing something or just feeling like that was such a passion of mine and always has been that 
I knew I wanted to do something work-wise that was focusing on the environment in some aspect. So continuing to blog and looking for work within that realm, um, I think kind of took me from a place of feeling powerless for the situation to feeling much more empowered and hopeful. Um, yeah, so that was kind of, I just kind of had been feeling that for a while. And I also knew that if I'm not 100% committed to my coaching, that like my client's experience is going to suffer. And I never wanted that. So I instead, I decided to take a break, finish out with all the clients I currently had. And maybe I'll return to it. I'm not sure. <laughs> I've had a few people reach out since quarantine. So I'm thinking I might just do some like on the side, but not, you know, having a huge launch for like the program I did. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I ended up where I am now, I guess. Okay. So I want to come back to that, but just kind of briefly, you said that people have reached out in quarantine. Have you found that this has been a tough time, particularly for people with their bodies and their home all day and things like that? Yeah, I definitely think so. And also just a lot of people are spending more time, um, with like friends or, or not maybe friends, but family, people that they're living with, that then we can just become, I think, much more aware of our bodies or if we're not leaving the house, a lot of us might equate worth to getting ready and dressed and getting out and about or, you know, going to the gym. And since that has all been put on pause, I think there's a lot of people kind of struggling with that. And maybe at first it was like, oh, my body needs a break. Um, which I mean, with everything that's going on, yeah, taking time for ourselves is more important now than ever, but because it's been however many months now, I think a lot of people have kind of fallen back into old patterns. Um, and yeah, I think for a lot of people, it's been particularly hard, both for all aspects of their health. I know a lot of people's mental health has been struggling. Yeah. Um, just being confined at home and whatnot coming up and you have all this time to just sit with your thoughts you know yeah working from home like in the evenings you won't be going out as much and yeah like the more mm -hmm. i've noticed that the more and more you just sit with your thoughts and it could yeah it could things could just come up and be triggering or like things that you thought you'd worked through and they're yeah okay so that that's what i assumed you were talking about when you said people were reaching out yeah mm -hmm. uh, okay so so now you're working more in the sustainability climate activism arena. Um, so yeah, do you see any relationship between say fitness or our bodies and, and it's kind of a bit of a reach, but if there's any connection that you've seen between sustainability and those things? Yeah. Um, for me particularly, I think one of the main reasons I am so passionate about climate and climate action um, is because I spent so much time growing up and for the past 25 years just being out in nature and spending time with myself. And I definitely believe in like the therapeutic powers of spending time in nature, whether or not someone is super outdoorsy or you're just going through a stroll in the park. I think everyone knows that we benefit from time outside surrounded by nature. Um, and so for me, I think I see the connection of taking time to be with nature, um, can be really healing for ourselves, but also really strengthen kind of our idea or 
understanding why people are so passionate about the climate. Um, and especially with everything that's going on right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, I know that it's also such a privilege for certain individuals to get out into nature and that it is not accessible for all individuals. Um, I'm just speaking primarily of the states because that's my experience. Um, so I think understanding kind of how that relates to our relationship with our bodies and understanding that we carry privilege within our bodies and how that relates to the environment. I know it's not like a direct tie for a lot of these things, but I do think that there is quite a bit of overlap between, you know, how we're feeling with ourselves. And also if we're not feeling great about our bodies and we're constantly struggling with that every day, I think it's much harder to care about other issues that are going on. So, you know, taking time for ourselves is not a selfish thing because not only do we become, you know, better versions of ourselves, but like I said, we could become better friends, we become better partners and better yeah. employees and also just better advocates for other issues that we are passionate about because it's really hard to pour from an empty cup. And yeah. I, okay. I like so many things I want to get into. <laughs> privilege. Um, I think, yeah, this is for two, you know, wealthy enough white women to talk about. I think it's important that we bring that up. Um, yeah. And yeah, so much I want to get into. So I guess I'll think about the access to, I mean, there's a lot of things that we're privileged to. So like, obviously your clients who wanted to, you know, um, have a better, healthier life, you know, they had to have a certain amount of money to pay you. Um, and access to nature and all of these things. Um, yeah, I think that's so important. And I'm thinking about like food deserts as well, where like people, you know, if anyone doesn't know, it's an area where there's not access to fresh food. So, you know, often like inner cities or other places where um, they can only get, you know, more processed foods. So again, that's like a whole privilege um, issue. So have you, I don't know, I mean, I'm still making these connections for myself a bit, but um, do you have any more thoughts about that privilege with access to outdoors or food? Yeah, I think one thing that I have definitely become more aware of, especially in the past few years, I've been vegan for like four-ish years or so. Um, and at first, like many other people, I'm like, everyone needs to go vegan. And like, that's the most important thing, which I, I'm a strong believer in veganism and I do it for so many different reasons. But understanding how something like that even plays into privilege so, so much. And, you know, acknowledging that and understanding how, like, how we can get, you know, fresh food into those food deserts. Like, that is a much more important issue than saying, well, I know you only have access to a gas station for food, but you should still go vegan and just eat, like, Cliff Bars and a banana. Like, that's not, <laughs> you know, going to be – a healthier relationship with food. Right. So I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the best answer is for that. I know I have quite a few friends who are social workers that are much more knowledgeable on that than I am about, you know, how to actually elicit change in those areas. Um, but I mean, the same goes with like the outdoor industry. So kind of something I've been focusing on more lately with like blogging and activism has been like the sustainability within the outdoor industry. Um, and just kind of what that looks like, because even the most, you know, often thought of as sustainable brands are still discriminatory 
and cater to wealthy or white individuals. Um, and I mean, the less money people have versus, you know, based off systematic racism, the less likely not only they are to access outdoors, but also having enough funds to be able to get um, mental health help. And I mean, that was something that I even struggled with that it was like, well, I'm a coach and I need, this is my income. So obviously I need to charge for my services, but I don't want to do it in a way that you know, is going to make it less accessible, but then it naturally is. So that was something that I never discovered a good answer for. Um, but I think even just being able to offer something in the future that was maybe a group or the program that was more self kind of done, that would be a lot cheaper, just making it more accessible for people. Um, because yeah, something as important as our health, whether it's mental or physical or any other aspect, shouldn't be accessible only if we are privileged. You know, it should be something that everyone has access to. But again, I'm just figuring out how to do that. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have all the answers, but yeah. Yeah, no, I, w yeah, I wasn't asking you to like solve it. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping you might be able to. No. Uh, but I, I also really like what you're saying about um, I think I in that body positive power book that I read that basically spurred my whole like journey um, with this. She was talking about how, I mean, this may seem like a stretch to people, but how like the whole diet industry was kind of formed partly as a way to like kind of keep women like thinking about their bodies and like losing weight. So maybe not intentionally, but in, because that was happening, they weren't thinking as much about, I don't know, maybe advancing their careers. And this is maybe more back in like the 50s and things when kind of dieting got more common. But I, I think it's still like a thing today. And people just talk, women talking about dieting and what they want their bodies to look like. And, you know, I want my bikini body or things like that. And like, it, again, like it seems harmless. And I'm not saying it's necessarily harmful but it's like you're saying it's it's that energy and it's that time that you're spending when you could be like doing things that are you know like helping the world and i'm not saying we all need to be like gandhi but i mean if we could take a little bit of the time that we spend stressing about trying to fit into that pair of jeans and could be like okay i'm fine like i'm you know what i mean like i'm enough i'm okay right mm -hmm. now like how can i kind of like help the world a little bit or like help a few people in my circle or i don't know yeah, for sure. I think something that I'm able to look back on now is like, and I've just kind of, I don't want to say I'm an anxious person because I'm not trying to like label myself as things recently, but I tend to get more anxious from time to time. Um, and I think when I look back, I'm like, when has like stressing over something I have no control over ever benefited me in any way? And it hasn't. And so reminding myself of that when I'm feeling really anxious is helpful. But the same goes for like, if now, you know, a negative thought comes up about my body, I think back to like, when I was really struggling with it. And I'm like, what good ever came from like, overanalyzing it? Or like, how many opportunities did I possibly miss out on? Like, I just don't picture myself being on my deathbed or thinking, I wish I'd really cared more about how I looked in those jeans or that I had more negative thoughts about, like, no one is going to say that. So, you know, that's, we're going to think, oh, I wish I hadn't thought about it as much. And I had just focused more on 
enjoying other aspects of my life. So having that little like tidbit to remind myself of, I'm like, oh, duh, this is a silly thought and doesn't deserve my attention. Right. Also, like looking back as well, and just like in general, we we don't have that much control over our body. I think I think there's a lot of, you know, people want to obviously you know, tone or whatever, they want to look a certain way. And like, there's certain things, obviously you can do muscle strength and all these things. But like, again, and something I learned in this book is that like, we do have like a set point weight, like everyone is built differently. And like, there's only you can only kind of change your body. This is what I have experienced. And what I can see you can only change your body to a certain extent. I mean, unless you really are, you know, maybe have an eating disorder or really, really restricting your eating, often like dieting, you just gain all the weight like back that you lost. So that idea that we can control it is like, yeah, it's not really even right. So like, why are we wasting all this time? And then you end up at the end of your life or even 10 years down the line. And you're like, all the things I could have been doing and thinking about and having fun and just like relaxing about it. So exactly. And it's things like our weight is like so focused on when for everyone who I don't know who's listening to this, I'm of five foot two. So I would never be like, oh, what can I do to get to, you know, five, six, like, or five, eight, like those, like, this is just my set height. I'm done growing. I will probably shrink when I'm older, but like we focus so much on other aspects that, or we're like, oh, I wish I had bigger feet or things like that, that it's like how that just sounds silly when we say them, but that's exactly what we're doing with like, oh, I wish that I had this shape of body when like you said everyone's body shape is completely different so scrolling on instagram being like i wish i looked like that when this person might have four inch longer legs and you know not as big of breast as me and a different shaped face it's like that's just unrealistic and just as almost silly i guess when we think about it as to wishing we could grow or make it trying to force ourselves to grow taller or shorter or something. Yeah. I was talking about, I think yesterday on a walk, um, about how I always wanted to be shorter. And like, at a certain point you have to realize like, there is literally nothing I can do about my height. And like, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a long time to get there. Maybe some people are just there, but for me, it took a while and yeah, you're probably not going to grow Marie. And yeah, so <laughs> yep. yeah, like letting go, I guess is a little bit of a lesson. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, thank you so much. This has been, maybe it's just because I've like relate so strongly to like, we're on the same page about a lot of things, but I think people will definitely like learn a lot from this and, um, yeah. And we'll tell people at the end where they can find you if they want to read your blogs and all that stuff. Um, is there anything you want to say before we do a few just quick questions at the end? Is there anything you want to add anything? I think one thing we kind of had touched on at the beginning, um, and I've heard you kind of talk about in other episodes was, you know, just that a lot of comments that we like subconsciously kind of like hold up on a high pedestal that I received as a child was like, oh, you're so small or you're so thin. So I think that definitely, I know this is kind of backtracking, but this definitely like contributed to when I was no longer that shape and I was no longer like, stick skinny that it was like I had subconsciously kind of associated like my worth with the things that I'd been praised for as a child um and it was like yeah you're so like that was like not whether or not people meant that in that way but I mean from like the time I was like 
five, I remember people saying that. It was never coming from like my parents or my siblings or anything like that, but just other family members or friends or coaches or things like that, that when I suddenly wasn't that, I was like, well, this is like the best compliments. I don't think they're actually compliments, but the best comments I had received on my body up until that point. So that was, I think, a big struggle to no longer have that identity that I'd had for so, so many years. Absolutely. And that I imagine that would feed into this whole like fat phobia that is kind of in our society, which is like, especially women are scared of becoming fat because like they're going to be seen differently in society and like you are being praised basically for being thin. So yeah, yeah, when you change, you're like, well, you know, why don't people see you in the same way or yeah, your worth. And I think, again, I could do a whole episode on that, like just the fat shaming and not even that you were fat. I mean, I don't know who knows how we define fat. People can define it for, but, um, I think that's really interesting. And yeah, that obviously had such a effect on your mental health then. And that's so sad. Yeah. And I think just, you know, like it should never be like so many people just commenting, especially on like young women. Like that's like the first thing, like, oh, you're so pretty or you're so thin or like, oh, you're so tiny or even being like, oh, you're really tall or just like it's always physical things versus I mean, there's still plenty of people who are like, you're really driven and you're outgoing or, you know, other things that were amazing comments. But obviously the ones that stuck out were the ones that I had no control over (laughs) versus the ones that it was like, oh, these are like my decisions that I've like chosen to, you know, train for this race or be an ASB or just, I don't know, all these other things that those weren't the ones that stuck out. It's the ones that we have no control over which is so bizarre to me, but just something I've noticed, I guess, over the years. Because it's that thing that you can see without even knowing the person, you can just comment on what you see. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something we can all like definitely take away is if you can get rid of one, like have one less comment this week, like about someone's body or even like thoughts when you're like, oh, wow, look at her fill in the blank, whatever it is. Like try to like train your brain a little bit and be like, how about I'd like try to get to know who she is? And I know this is sounding really cheesy, but you get what I'm where I'm going. Yeah. And it's also, yeah, for sure. And I think like so many other things kind of tying it back to everything that's going on, just like acknowledging that we have these thoughts is the first step, whether it's about ourselves or about other people or people of different races or things like that. I think, you know, yeah, it should make us feel uncomfortable when we acknowledge that we have these thoughts, but pretending that we don't is just as bad as, you know, saying them out loud, pretending that we're, we don't have biases or things like that. Because only if we acknowledge it and like confront it, are we able to actually work through it. And yeah, that's just my little tidbit on that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> Quick questions, and then we will tell people where to find you and keep in touch with you. Okay, so what is your favorite food? Just first thing that comes to mind. Peanut butter. <laughs> yes, okay. We are like the same person. Okay, um, favorite place to travel that you've already been, or like where you would go back, what place you've already been? I would go back to India. Ah, okay. Yes. And a new place that you've never been, where would you go? Mm, I've always wanted to go to... Sweden. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
what age, if you could be one age for the rest of your life, what age would you stay as? You know, my birthday was a few days ago, so I'm going to say 25. I'm excited yeah. to be 25. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice one. Um, what is, I actually didn't have this one in mind, but I'm thinking of it now. What is your favorite part of quarantining with your parents? I think being able to look back in five, 10, 20 years from now and being actually grateful for it, even though it's so easy to feel like I'm 18 again, being at my parents' house that, yeah, just the extra time that we're spending with each other. And yeah, I know I'm going to be grateful for it now and in the future as well. That's really lovely. Thanks. <laughs> nice one. Um, okay. Well, that's it. So if you want to just, um, thanks for being here. Yeah. And um, if you want to just tell people where they can find you and I will put everything in the description as well. Sure. So if you want to stay in touch, I'm at Mindful Peaks on Instagram, as well as on Facebook and my website. And I share everything from sustainability to veganism to zero waste. And who knows, I may just reopen my coaching. And if I do, that is where you'll be able to find me. Cool. Yeah. Keep in touch to stay updated then. Cool. Um, all right. Well, thank you again for being here. And um, hope you have a good rest of your week. Thanks. So happy that we finally got to reconnect after however many years. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next Friday to hear more. Please subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on Instagram at everybody's podcast and share with your friends if you're enjoying what you're hearing. And as always, if no one has told you yet today, you are stunning and strong and worthy. All right. See you next week.